So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So this is gonna be about the 12 rules of nothing, because it's actually Adam Grant and give and take. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, because I've went through the 12 rules of life by, uh, by Jordan B. Peterson for such a long time that it is so fucking in my mind. It's, it's insane, nearly. It is really nearly insane. Um, but also somehow great, isn't it, that I just actually remember those things. And those books, which were pretty great, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually tweaked the settings uh, once again. I think because the microphone is somehow differently today, it's way more upfront and it's way more by my mouth. Uh, yeah, which leads to making it way, way louder than it was used to, or than I used to to have it, which is but still okay. But maybe I should just, yeah. Oh my fucking god. Put it like this. No. Oh, just have to quickly see. Oh my god. It is so insanely bright. But I think, yeah, it's a little bit better at least. So yeah, uh, welcome back to the next episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. And once again with the give and take summary on the alanchang.com website. And if you're watching this on YouTube, there is also the audio version of this, which means um, that you can also just only listen to me while you're on the go as a podcast. So, which is because I just, uh, yeah, I recognized actually that a lot of people do not actually know what a podcast is. A podcast is actually something like a radio station, you know, something like, okay, you know, you're going through certain topics or certain things and somebody's speaking and this is the exact same thing that I'm doing, only... Um, the one thing is that, you know, it is exactly the same audio as I have in the videos. It's only a little bit post-produced that it's a little bit nicer to just listen to and it's a little bit louder because um, in general it's it's quite it's quite quiet and quite silent when I'm just recording these things, which, um, yeah, which leads me to actually kind of post-produce them a little bit, so not like just enormously or something, but a little bit. Um... But yeah, fortunately enough, I do remember where I've stopped, but I just should do it like this. I do hope the audio isn't too too silent, actually, but maybe it's even better like this because I'm not too loud. Um, but I'll see, but I'll totally see. I'm just still gonna make another episode for today. So today there will be two episodes, which is important because then maybe this episode isn't something for you and then you just can have to... Uh, or you just can go to the another episode of today and just listen to this one, or just to all the fucking 276 videos that I have on a podcast and actually 240 podcast episodes by now. But yeah, um, we will go ahead with pursuiting. I've actually been going through the book in the train today, so it might go a little bit better and I might just still do this uh, after this, so maybe just go through the whole text once, um, like in different, uh, or as I assume that I will just go through, like I won't just go through the whole text because I would just forget it anyway. And, and therefore, I was just going through the pursuiting check uh, section somehow, uh, but yeah. 
So in collaborative work, powerless communication provides a safe space for new ideas. Asking questions and using powerless speech markers, markers, speech markers like may and possible invite contrary opinions and signal a willingness to defer. But what does defer mean? Because I actually don't know it. Defer means... Oh, so from a classic from a classic giver point of view, this signals that the speaker cares primarily about the goals of the group rather than about their personal goals or about his and or her personal goals or ego. Actually, they say ego. I would also say goals. This is especially true in collaborative work, where people work together to achieve the same goal. In these scenarios, takers undermine group performance and stifle information sharing. Powerful speech here tends to signal that the taker cares primarily about asserting dominance and ego, and not about the good for the group. Silid studies show that powerless speech, uh, which is basically the way of talking and just engaging with other people, um, that all the givers are using, so the givers use the powerless speech or the powerless kind of technique, I would even say, and the takers, and also I think, well, the takers... Uh, do for sure use uh, the power speech, so like with a lot of power, a lot of just, um, I've been going through what it actually is in, I guess it should have been the last episode or the episode before the last episode, so from today's Friday, so the episode from Wednesday, maybe, it should be, it could be, I don't know, to be honest, I really don't know, um, but yeah, but what I'm thinking about right now is what are actually the matches using? But I just was assuming, okay, maybe they're actually using both sides or a little bit of both. You know, um, the powerful speech is more about dominance, more about just uh, kind of supporting yourself and whatsoever. But uh, the powerless speech is like, you know, engaging with the other person, just uh, trying to have a great conversation and, and those things quite like. So showing empathy and what there what there is, it, or it just feels for me like this. Um, they have never been talking about empathy, <laughs> by the way. Um, but I guess the, the matcher, which is quite the person in between the giver and the taker, um, is actually both using both sides to some degree. This is at least what I think. Um, so, Sillet studies show that powerless speech en engenders more respect or engenders engenders more respect and influence in collaborative work and when a group is passive. In a study of pizza franchises, when employees are proactive, powerful speech leads to 40% lower profits. In contrast, when the work is independent and employees are passive, powerful speech is effective. So I do think, and this is also a great section of the book where they actually explain when powerful, not the powerless, the powerful speech is working and when you should actually use it and whatsoever because um, they're actually always just going against uh, the powerful speech up to this point which is um, understandable because they point out okay if you are a giver and if you're using the powerless um, the powerless speech it helps you with this and that and whatsoever but still I do think and I'm therefore I'm just really grateful that they actually also point it out that uh, there are some great ways to use um, powerful speech as well, or even some ways or some some scenarios and or um, yeah some scenarios where you do just really have to use the powerful speech could always be the thing. Um, we'll discuss more below.
which is basically what I was talking about. So over time, powerless speech can allow you to build a reputation as a helpful contributor rather than a, comp- rather than a competitor vying for political power. So I, I do guess it's it's called vying. It's a, a V, a Y, a I. So we, we, no, V, Y, I, N, G. Yeah. <laughs> um, for political power. So if you're seen as someone reliable and pleasant to work or pleasant, no, it's pleasant, it's pleasant, uh, to work with, the peer feedback should ultimately benefit your career if your superiors can 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 pattern match and attribute group success to you. Adam Grant gives the example of Volkswagen, which is, you know, the <clears throat> uh, car producer or, you know, the guys who just make cars. Um, Volkswagen <clears throat> account manager Don Lane, who contributed the Drive It and You'll Get It tagline to the creative team despite not getting credit. He presented his idea as, I know this is against the rules, but I want to give you a sense of what I'm talking about. What do you think of this line? So drive it and you will get it. It it kind of for me just feels like being a taker and actually just going for your ego and only doing what what you want to do and only what you think is the best to do. But it's for me, at least, for me, at least, it seems to be not quite about teamwork and not quite about just working in groups of something it's just like you know if you want to get there you should go there so drive it and you will get it and if you will get it or if you want to get it you just have to drive it hmm hmm but yeah i don't know what you're thinking about you know this would be great this would actually be great so hit me up in the comments down below if you're on the youtube video or check out all the social media links in the description and you could definitely hit me up on them as well You know, I'm quite everywhere, so therefore use the platform you're most convenient with or the platform you most like because, yeah, people definitely do not like, you know, I don't know, there are a lot of people who like Instagram. I like Instagram, but there are also a lot of people who like Facebook, but I actually do not like Facebook. I don't know why, but I'm just not, yeah, I do not like to use it. You know, therefore I'm just only using it for scheduling everything and it's primarily only for the people who are just on Facebook and and are not on on Instagram and or on Twitter so that they also can see what I'm putting out there. Um, Negotiation, which is the last point of, uh, I think, the powerless and powerful debate somehow, uh, in terms of actually, I think, the the powerless being more uh, or just better than the other one. So negotiating. In tense situations that may appear zero-sum to many people, like negotiations over wages or deals, advice seeking is powerful is a powerful tool for exercising influence when we lack authority. Advice seeking combines express expressing vulnerability, asking questions and talking tentatively. Naturally, takers tend to avoid advice seeking because it uh, jeopardizes the appearance of control and harms the ego of knowing all the answers. Which makes sense. It totally makes sense that the taker doesn't actually want to, to just get any advice by anyone, no matter who it is. And it makes sense that the uh, that the giver is somehow like, okay, you know, I do not know the answer, but I know someone who knows the answer. So therefore, I'm just going to ask him and or her, which is, which is definitely okay. You know, um, I still think for me, you know, asking for things is very, very difficult. It totally depends on the person and it totally depends on the situation. You know, 
persons or people that I'm just really kind of close to, um, there is no problem. Just, you know, asking them to, to help me or whatever, but often it's not. You know, often it's like, you know, I do not want to get the answer by, by someone else, which was actually the, the exact same thing today, I guess. You know, uh, today I, I was doing some math work, you know, in class, during school, and um, yeah, I had to do an exercise. Is it an exercise? So, so one number, can you say this one? So I had to do an exercise and um, I was like, you know, I don't know how this is working. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And the wonderful colleague next to me, shout out to you and to all the wonderful people in my class, especially the boys. I, I really like all of them. Very great people. Very, very great people. Um, but um, he was like, you know, it's, it's so easy. And should I tell you? And I was like, no, because I felt like the urge to, to not really ask him. I really felt the urge of actually just doing it myself. And by the way, I should actually write this down. And I was using these just very expensive fucking cards and I do not know why. So, maths. Uh, homework. Because I would just really forget this. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, um, blah, 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 blah. So advice seeking has four benefits. Learning, the advice giver is prompt to clarify details to give you the best advice. This also puts the advisor in a brainstorming mood where she or he will draw, a more in, will draw on more info than just voting yes or no on a pitch. The advisee benefits from these from this expanded knowledge, definitely. Because if you're asking someone, and no, I'm just gonna read it, and then I think I do maybe have to add something, but I hopefully do not have to. Um, perspective taking. To give good advice, advisors have to look at the situation from the advices or the advice seeker's point of view. This creates empathy for the advice seeker rather than setting up an adversarial, adversarial structure. Commitment, because the advisor has put personal effort into the advice seeker situation, she feels commit commitment to follow through, especially if the top ideas are her own. Uh, and the last one is the flattery. When you ask for someone for advice, you grant her prestige by showing you admire her knowledge and or his knowledge and wisdom. It makes her feel important. And this is exactly what I wanted to point out. It is definitely letting people feel very important and very just prestigious and all what they actually said and, and already picked out. But it's, you know, it, it really is this. And it's, it's really the way, you know, if somebody comes up to you and asks like, okay, you know, could you please show me how this is working? You know, now guess why? You know, this person is actually coming up to you and is asking you because this person knows that you are actually able to do what they need and that this person is actually just willing to learn something from you because they know that you are able to do this. And isn't this just nice? Isn't this just amazing, the feeling, if you're just thinking about this? And people really like it. And I've seen it a lot and I've also seen it with myself, you know. If people really come up to me and ask me like, okay, you know, how could I do this? It, you know, really lets me feel good and it makes sense. And I actually even did it some for... Um, I don't know when and I don't know how often, but I once, at least once, I did it like consciously, like, you know, asking someone for advice because I knew 
they will like it. At least I think I have. I'm very sorry if I haven't, but I think I have. I really think. It would be nice to actually just, you know, uh, uh, remember the whole, you know, the whole situation and the whole thing. But yeah. So the advisor is also prone to liking the advice seeker more through resolving cognitive dissonance. There is no way, which is now quote-unquote, there is no way I would help her if I didn't like her, so this must mean I actually like her. Which somehow can make sense, but I do think, you know, no matter whom you're just hitting up and asking for advice, I do think everybody will give you something. I, I really do, I don't know. But maybe it's just because I'm always thinking of, of good people or, you know, just I'm always seeing the good in the people. And maybe I just don't see, you know, that there are also bad people who would actually be like, you know, I won't give you an advice because I hate you. But I, but I wouldn't understand this, you know, why, why would you? But I also understand, no, I, I truly understand why people would do this because they don't just like the person and yeah, don't judge this, you know. Who knows what happened before? Nobody. Um, Advice-seeking works for all three reciprocity styles in the counterparty. Takers love having their ego messaged and matches like racking up credits they can use later and give us feel helpful. It makes sense. It really makes sense that all of them, uh, all three of them actually like it. So Adam Grant gives an anecdote of Annie, a scientist who once uh, who was a part of downsized company branch in the Midwest. Uh, she could keep her job by transferring to the East Coast, but this would mean giving up her nighttime MBA program. She tried to argue for her position with a few managers, but made no progress. Ultimately, she reached out to an HR manager and asked for advice. If you were in my position, what would you do? And the HR manager became her advocate. She took the she took the woman's perspective, learned new details and found through and found through the department head that the company had a private chat that Annie could ride on. Now the HR manager was committed to delivering on his solution. And if Annie had had lobbied more assertively, she might never have learned about the chat. Amazing story. But I do just think about, you know, what kind of an employee does this have to be that they actually kinda yeah, even tell them, okay, just just use our chat. It, it's totally okay. Isn't it fucking expensive? And is it, you know, for me, it would make sense, okay. You know, if the CEO is flying with a private chat, I understand this. I really understand this because, you know, he might have, the, the, yeah, he just owns the fucking company and he might have just go to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of meetings every year, every day, every just month, every week, whatsoever, and then I understand this. But for just an employee, hmm, it's nice. It totally is nice. But but yeah. Um, research examples. Experimental subjects were asked to negotiate the sale of commercial property. Sellers who focused on getting the highest price reached the deal only 8% of the time. Sellers who asked the buyer for advice reached a deal 42% of the time. Amazing. Really amazing. So in a workforce across industries, seeking advice is one of the most effective ways to carry influence and be rated as an effective manager, in addition to rational persuasion and inspirational appeal. This is an interesting study. All three of these works uh, work in all directions of the org, 
or ORG chart uh, in brackets downwards, lateral and upward. Uh, ingratiation, exchange and personal appeal were used primarily in downward or lateral directions and not upward. They were ineffective at changing effectiveness rating. Finally, leg leg legitimating, which is uh, do it because it's, or in brackets actually, do it because it's what the rules say, or pressure correlate negatively with effectiveness. I, by the way, do not know what I'm actually just reading about. I actually really do not know. Because I'm actually only kind of forcing myself or kind of not forcing but focusing myself on you know reading everything nicely, just um, yeah recognizing how I speak just and then being sure that uh, I want somehow yeah absorb some words or just uh, kind of pronounce them so uh, so wrongly or so kind of kind of poorly that you can actually hear them and which is not good for a podcast essentially. Um, ex executives seeking board seats are most effective when asking a current board director for advice rather than complimenting. In an experiment environment, advice seekers were more likely to be recommended for promotion than non-seekers. You know, at, the, at first, and, and still now somehow, I, I do really think that being someone who only seeks advice would also be wrong and would also not be good for your career and... But, but, you know, as I'm just reading through this, it just seems to be like, no, it is actually fine and it is actually good and whatsoever. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but now this is actually the part for, sorry, for actually kind of uh, stopping and this is actually part that I was talking about and I actually already made the description for the whole uh, episode. So I do hope that I don't have to cut a lot of things and I don't have to add a lot of things. So when powerful commu communication works, when does powerful communication work? I wish Adam Grant explored this more in give and take, though it would detect or detract from his message. Takers are charged by group members as more competent and authoritative. Sometimes this works against them when it discourages new ideas, for example. But when listeners are passive, dutiful, passive, dutiful flowers, powerful communication does work. Is it actually dutiful? I think it is. As it's D-U-T-I-F-U-L. So we see powerful communication work in Steve Jobs and TED Talks. And I imagine it works in tense military situations. You know, the whole thing with Steve Jobs is always like, you know, he's seen as one of the greatest entrepreneurs and he really is. He really is. He made a very great company. and um, But he was nice to the employees. And, and this is the whole problem that I'm having with Steve Jobs somehow. Just he's a really prestigious man and just really love his work and, and, and all these things for sure. For really sure. But... I do not like when people are just giving a fuck about their employees, actually, and um, those things. You know, I, I, I kind of feel like, okay, you can have a great company and, if you, and you can also have a very successful company by still being just very nice and generous to all the people. I do really think that and it, it would be nice. And this is also what Gary Vee is talking about quite often, you know, 
Um, he's been talking about the same issues I just pointed out and he's also saying like, okay, you know, he just wants to, to lead a company and wants to lead his uh, employees and whatsoever, but he just wants to be nice to them. He doesn't want to be an asshole to them. But yeah. Um, does it work when a listener knows she's uh, she is in a subordinate and receptive position, so ego is not a play? When listening to Steve Jobs, an Apple fan already considered him a genius and is in a rece receptively subservient uh, position in buying his products. I want to be lit or led as a dutiful follower. And now something in brackets. Powerful speech seems to conf confirm more status when uh, the task is independent rather than communal and when the working environment rewards individual achievement rather than cooperation. Which means sense, you know, um, if you're using the powerless way of speaking and powerless techniques uh, and the words and sentences or whatever it would be, um, it just makes sense that you're not using them, uh, so you're using them in a group and it somehow makes sense that you're not using them when you are not in a group. But yeah, let's see and go ahead. Chapter 6, why some givers burn out but others are on fire. Which is something that I quite, you know, I, I stuck a little bit to be honest because I think I thought like, uh, why? Why exactly? But I think we'll just go ahead. So it is a myth that self-interest and other interests lie on the same spectrum and that caring about yourself necessarily means not caring about others. I do think there has to be a certain degree of actually you caring about yourself because if you're not doing this, I do guess that it wouldn't be too nice for you. And I do think you would just, yeah, you know, you would not take care of yourself and this would be bad and whatsoever. Um, so give and take argues that self-interest and other interests are completely independent motivations. You can have both be very strong or both be weak and forming this 2x2 or 2x2 matrix. Which is now a matrix and I'm gonna... Yeah. Nice. Now you can actually see it. So this is the matrix. Um, on the top, so it is actually two by two. On the top is the low, uh, low other interest and the high other interest next to each other, next to each other. And on the left side, there is the um, low self interest, which is above the high self interest. And when you're looking at the low self interest combined combined with the low other interest, you see uh, apathetic, whatever this actually means. And if you compare the, the, the low self-interest and the high other interest, you see selfless and self-sacrificing giver. Uh, when you have a look at the, the, the bottom part, which is high self-interest and low other interest, you see the taker, the classical taker. Uh, then the high other interest and the high self-interest is otherish, which is a successful giver. Makes sense, you know, it, it really makes sense and this is also something that he actually pointed out, uh, I think in the very top of the summary, um, that you actually as a giver really have to to take also and to really care about yourself as well because if not, you're only really taking care about somebody else and you're kind of just, yeah, going to get crippled and, and, and fucked up. 
and those things. Um, so givers are universally high in other interests by definition, but givers vary in self-interest. Givers who have low self-interest are selfless. They sacrifice their own gain for the benefit of others. This pathological altru altruism uh, decreases their own well-being and risks burnout. Interestingly, selfless givers also tend not to ask for help as they as they are determined to be in the helper role and don't want to inconvenience others. Uh, givers who have high self-interest are otherish. otherish, which means they are ambitious and have goals relating to gaining influence and attaining, attaining excellence. Otherish uh, givers still give more than they receive, but they are discriminated with their time, choosing how and to whom they give. They want to grow the overall pie and see the world as more than zero sum, but they still want a piece of that pie. Uh, maintaining a balance between self-interest and other interest is important for mental health. This is true even in trusting relationships like marriages. Even though otherish givers superficially appear less giving than selfless givers, they have greater stamina and contribute more over time. In comparison to matchers and takers, otherish givers build a reserve of happiness that fuel their work. With that being said, it's actually very, very nicely. It went very, very nicely today. I'm just not seeing as clearly as I should be, which is always like, you know, to the end of some episodes somehow get really dizzy i don't know how maybe i should drink something actually but yeah um uh, this is actually it with the episode i do hope that you liked it i do hope that there was something in it for you and i do also hope that i do not have to add something to my pre-made description but yeah <laughs> um still remember how you're gonna be remembered which maybe means that you're giving something back to the people or giving back to the world whatever you're thinking about and and yeah with that being said i wish you the best and i'll see you i love you <laughs>